Hello from Classical KUCO. This is Spotlight on the Arts, where we take a moment to talk with local artists, performers, composers, conductors, and leaders on the many special activities and challenges taking place within our community. I'm your host, Paul Nesper. For our February 1st episode, we sit down with Dr. Natalie Searing with the University of Central Oklahoma School of Music to discuss her upcoming faculty artist concert series recital at the Jazz Lab. Next, we sit down with Chris Weiser, one half of the duo Sugar Free All-Stars, who are performing this weekend with the Oklahoma City Philharmonic as part of the E.L. and Thelma Gaylord Foundation Discovery Family Series Concerts. Then, we sit down with Amanda Bleakley and George Oswald with the Paseo Arts Association to discuss the February 1st Friday gallery walk coming to the Paseo. Finally, we sit down with Royce McClary with Chamber Music in Oklahoma to discuss the multiple award-winning Parker Quartet coming to Oklahoma City this weekend. As we like to say, let's put a spotlight on the arts here in Oklahoma. Please stay with us. Support for KUCO comes from TSET, dedicated to reducing tobacco use, with the reminder that teens who vape are far more likely to smoke in adulthood and struggle with a lifetime of addiction. More at TobaccoStopsWithMe.com. Support for KUCO comes from Stillwater Medical, with the mission to provide compassionate and quality health care services to all in North Central Oklahoma and accepting over 20 insurance plans, including Blue Cross and Blue Shield. Close to home, stillwatermedical.com. Welcome back to Spotlight. My first guest today is Dr. Natalie Searing with the University of Central Oklahoma School of Music. She, along with her ensemble Eclipse, will be presenting a faculty artist concert series recital at the UCO Jazz Lab in Edmond this Sunday, February 4th at 5 p.m. Natalie, welcome back to Spotlight. Hello, it's so great to be here. Well, we're excited to have you. Uh, I was just mentioning off-air, I believe we were neighbors at uh, UCO, uh, at least office neighbors, for a few years. Uh, but we'll we'll talk more about those years later. We're here to talk about your upcoming Faculty Artist Concert Recital Series uh, happening this Sunday, February 4th at 5 p.m. at the UCO Jazz Lab in Edmond, featuring Eclipse. So we'll talk a little bit about the, the group here in a second, but I wanted to ask you, what was the genesis of of this program, and how did you come to select the works that you did? Well, every time I do a program, I actually spend a lot of time just kind of thinking about what pieces go together and kind of make up a program. Last year, I did a fax concert, and it was an all-eclipse program. This year, I decided to put eclipse for half the program and play flute with piano, for half the program. So um, I started and picked a beautiful sonata that is actually written for violin, the Amy Beach Sonata in A minor. And um, 
it's it's a big hefty piece. It's you know about a twenty five minute piece. So that's uh-huh. basically my first half of the program. But <laughs> yeah, since guess. since the first movement is about ten minutes long, I decided I needed a little shorter piece to just start the program, and that's where I put the Gaubert or not not Gaubert, the George Barrere Nocturne on on the program. Now, do you like, because uh, I, I know uh, I always loved getting to play, especially as a tuba player, because we didn't have a ton of great music written for us, but do you like to play music written for other instruments, whether it be violin or, or, or clarinet or whatever the case may be? Well, I have done it a few times. It's kind of interesting because there is so much repertoire in the flute world that it always feels like, oh, there's so many things to play in so little time. But yet, a few years ago, I did play another piece that was written for violin and I I enjoyed it. It was kind of fun like, you know, flutists would like this piece. It's this is a really cool piece and it works on flute. And so <laughs> I I was happy about this Amy Beach piece. My pianist actually brought it to my attention. It was a piece I was not familiar with because oh, cool. it's not in the flute repertoire. And um she thought it had beautiful harmonies and was very well written. So I'm um Exploring new material. <laughs> That's awesome, and I, like I said, I, I as I'm sure as, as a as a flautist, fl- flautist is that how we say it? Fl- fl- we, flutist. You, you can say flautist or flutist. Usually, the flute players say flutist. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yes, yeah, as, as, as a tubist, we're we're we're, we're sort of on opposite ends of the spectrum. So I just want to make sure I, can, I yeah, call you your, yeah. your proper. As a flutist, you're right. You do have quite the extensive catalog, and as a, as a tubist. Uh, we have like four. No, <laughs> but no, I, I totally, I totally hear where you're coming from on that. Now you are no stranger to the facts stage. What is it about facts recitals, especially that you enjoy getting to do? Is it the fact that it's always something new getting to create a program? Is it the fact that it raises money for the students for scholarships? Is it a little bit of both? Oh, it's definitely both. I'm um, self-driven, you know, I, there's nobody telling me what to play, so yeah. <laughs> it's it's very fun for me to think about creating a program. And through the years, I, I've probably been playing fax programs ever since they started, but I've had some interesting programs. At least I think they've been interesting. Um, one pro- program many years ago was titled A Poem, and every piece that I had on the program was was a poem of some sort. It had a poem in the title. And so that allowed me to pair some pieces together that, like the Griffiths poem, that were interesting to me. Um, I've also kind of enjoyed collaborating with other musicians. So I've been able to do like the Claude Bowling suite for flute and jazz piano with a jazz group. That was so much fun. And a Sonata Latino in a prior year. And that was fun. So my um, chamber group ever since Eclipse, ever since we've formed, I've featured them quite a few times on my fax programs. And then the comment you said about earning money for scholarships, I feel that's very important. And so I'm very happy to donate my time for this to earn some money for um, UCO music scholarships. Absolutely. And and you brought up Eclipse. That's a, a pretty pretty good segue. So the group founded in 2014, so now that we're in 2024, you've been playing together for, yes. for 10 years now. Yes. So how, how exciting is it that you're still getting to play music a decade later with friends and colleagues that you've been with uh, at Oklahoma Christian University? Oh, it's, it's very fun. When we first formed, we formed together to play one particular piece by 
Camille Sanson's a piece called, um, it's like ancient airs and dances on Danish themes. And we all liked playing together. We all felt like, you know, we're all about the same age. We all are have a good number of years of music under our belts. And this this is just fun. <laughs> we that. were all on the faculty at Oklahoma Christian, and we all still are. And um, through the years, we have actually ex- pretty much exhausted the repertoire for the three upper winds and piano. That's what Eclipse is. It's um, flute, clarinet, oboe, and piano. And then for this concert, you're adding bassoon now too, correct? Yes, we're adding bassoon on one piece because we're doing a Baroque piece for the first time we've ever done a Baroque piece. And we decided we needed to add bassoon to help create the continuo part. Nice. So we've, we've added bassoon. Um, and now that we have a bassoonist that we seem to like, <laughs> <laughs> we, we were thinking, hmm, maybe we can explore some new repertoire now that is for the four winds of the orchestra plus piano. Do, do, do I ask who the who the previous bassoon player was? No, I'm just kidding. Well, we, I'm ne- kidding. we never I'm had a bassoon, <laughs> but I would like to um, mention the other members of the group, Eclipse. We have Jerry Warlick on oboe, Jenny Rucker on clarinet, and Miho Fisher is my pianist. She is so fabulous, and our bassoonist is Dustin C. Nice. That's quite the collection of musicians right there. Yes. We have a lot of years of experience. As far as I know... Eclipse might be the only professional chamber group in the Oklahoma City area who's been together this long um, and actually does concert performances, not just, you know, go out and play weddings or something like that, but, you know, really work up concert pieces. And we're always after new material. If there's any budding composers out there who would like to write for our combination of instruments, we're happy to play your music. Well, and I think it's important, yeah, especially as, a, as an ensemble that performs frequently to be able to churn out the classics for sure, but uh, also inspire the next generation of composers to write for uh, upper wind, ens- upper woodwind, I guess more specifically ensemble. So that's mm-hmm. awesome. What do you hope uh, people take away from this recital? Well, when they come, I would hope they're going to hear a variety of music. The opening piece the Barrere Nocturne is just a beautiful French French melody type of piece. It's just very beautiful. It's a calming piece. And then the Amy Beach Sonata that I'm doing next is from a very romantic period. Hopefully they'll they'll enjoy that. There's a lot of variety in the four movements. Nice. So I'm hoping it inspires them. And then the second half of the program when Eclipse plays we, we change and do that Baroque piece, which is just a whole different sound. <laughs> and then our final piece is so much fun. It's, um, it's called Ricordanza della Traviata, and it's like a memories of La Traviata. So it's like a theme and variations kind of um, featuring very virtuosic woodwind playing. So it's just a really fun, lively piece to end the program on. That piece is written by Amalcar Panciali, an Italian composer. It has been a very busy semester for you. You just had a performance here earlier this week, and you are also being featured with the Oklahoma Baroque Orchestra coming up on March 2nd. So 
Well, I mean, you do it all. I mean, you played bar- Baroque <laughs> flute earlier. Now we're doing a full fax recital. You're being feature- featured with the Baroque Orchestra. Like, well, let me. Maybe we should start with this. What's the difference between a modern flute and a Baroque flute? Well, there's actually a pretty big difference because the modern flute is made out of silver. It has keys, and the Baroque flute is made out of wood, and it has one key. <laughs> so. The fingering is completely different. Maybe not completely. There are a few notes that match up, but there's there's a lot of big differences in the fingering. And the way you blow into the instrument is very different. Um, on a modern flute, you can blow more air and project the sound, but on a Baroque flute, if you blow more air, the sound sort of dissipates. So it's more about just finding your resonance within the wood of the flute. So it's, yeah, it's, it's very, very different instruments. How does the pitch, because we, when we had uh, Dr. Daniel Harrington on last week, we, she talked about how they tune to as low as 390, but, you know, usually around 415. Like, how big of an adjustment is that for you going back and forth between a modern flute and a Baroque flute? Well, it's probably one time when I'm glad I don't have perfect pitch. (laughs) (laughs) Touche. Yeah. Um, (laughs) I will, um, my, my Baroque flute is at 415, and, um, you know, when you start playing it, you just, your ears just adjust to what that pitch is, so it's, you get used to it. Yeah, I guess it's like, you know, a couple of times when I've had to do outdoor concerts, uh, whether it's brass, uh, brass band or brass ensemble or, or quintet, and it's one of those, like, super cold mornings where it's, like, 40 degrees outside, and you have to tune to, like... 437 just to get <laughs> right. people in tune it's like oh this sounds so wrong but yeah, yeah to your point yeah your, your ears just adapt it yeah maybe it doesn't feel right but your ears adapt so between but again you know obviously you just got done uh performing with uh, the brish center for historical performance you've got your fax recital coming up soloing with the broke orchestra like just how cool is it to be able to have a career like that here in oklahoma city and just being able to teach and play and and maintain a private studio like you do well i I think it's pretty cool. I mean, I've never had a lack of work here in Oklahoma City, and it's it's a lot of variety of things. I don't know if you know, but at UCO, I actually teach class piano. Oh, yeah. And I've been doing that for many, many years. I've also taught theory and oral skills there, so there's a variety. I teach flute at Oklahoma Christian and Herbert Armstrong College. And, and I do quite a bit of performing, mostly um, through the schools that I teach at. So I am just very feel very fortunate and feel very happy that I have good musicians to play with from all of these schools. Sounds like you've built a lot of great relationships throughout the years, too, and have a lot of fun performing with those uh, friends and colleagues. Yes, I do. That's, that's not, there's not much better than that in this world. That's for, that's for darn sure. Is there anything you'd like to leave our classical KUCO listeners with before we part today, Natalie? Well, I would just like to say that thank you for supporting music. Thank you for supporting um, the Fax concerts at UCO. And hopefully you can maybe come out next Sunday and see the concert February 4th at 5 p.m. It'll be at the UCO Jazz Lab in Edmond. It'd be a great way to spend your Sunday afternoon. Natalie, we appreciate you coming down to the studios and having a conversation with us today. And thank you for joining us on Spotlight. Thank you so much. Coming up next, Chris Weiser with the Sugar Free All-Stars. Please stay with us.
Support for KUCO comes from Oklahoma City University Bass School of Music, presenting The Merry Wives of Windsor, the operatic tale of Falstaff, who plots to strike it rich by seducing the wives of wealthy merchants. But the wives discover his scheme and exact revenge. February 16th through the 18th at the Kirkpatrick Auditorium. Tickets and more at okcu.edu tickets. Support for KUCO comes from Oklahoma Securities Department, warning that cryptocurrency and precious metals can be unpredictable investments that may result in total financial loss. More at investedok.org or 405-280-7700. Welcome back to Spotlight. My next guest today is Chris Weiser, one half of the band, Sugar Free All-Stars. They'll be performing with the Oklahoma City Philharmonic this Sunday, February 4th, at 2 p.m. at the Civic Center Music Hall in downtown Oklahoma City with pre-concert activity starting at 1 p.m. The program is part of the E.L. and Thelma Gaylord Foundation Discovery Family Concert Series. Chris, welcome to Spotlight. Thank you, Paul Nesper. <laughs> I think it's the first time anybody said my full name. That was there good. You, go. uh, you well, got to get some loving too, man. Like you got to get some <laughs> some shout outs. No, this is this is all about my wonderful guests that get to come in every week, and we're here to talk about the E. L. and Thelma Gaylord Foundation Discovery Family Series concert, Funky Fresh and Sugar Free with the Sugar Free All Stars, happening this Sunday, February fourth at two p.m. with pre-concert activities beginning at one p.m. We've got Dr. Shanti Simon as guest conductor. It's going to be a wonderful Sunday. So let's start with this. How did the uh, collaboration with the Oklahoma City Philharmonic come about? Uh, so this was this is actually our third time to play nice. a show with the Philharmonic. The first time was in 2013. Wow. Yeah. So basically, so my, my bandmate and I, Dr. Rock, we went to go see uh, Ben Folds, who is a, one of our favorites, oh, yeah. play a show with the Philharmonic. And as we were sitting there, we were like, man, it would be so cool to, to, to play a show with the Philharmonic. You know, we live in town and they're, they, you know, they're based in Oklahoma City. And that's about as far as it got on our end. <laughs> Little did we know that the Philharmonic had been thinking like, well, you know, Sugar Free All-Stars is cool. They have a fan base that maybe doesn't always come in to see the orchestra. Maybe we should get one of, maybe we should get them to come in and play one of these Discovery Family uh, concerts and so they reached out and it was just, it was just like kind of the idea was in the air and it landed in both places and so they're like hey would you guys like to yes we would absolutely yes so we like it like the show was a collaborative effort we'd obviously we never played with an orchestra at all you know um so we're like we would have meetings with them like with uh you know the general manager who was chris marcus at the time and the uh, executive director it's like it was like man, we're like in a board meeting. What's going on here? <laughs> and so, we, you know, we would sit and plan it, you know, because they had never done it either. So, like, the whole show was, like, built from scratch as a collaboration between us and them. And then a friend of ours uh, who was a OCU, yeah, Oklahoma City University grad, lives in New York. This guy named Nathan Seiler orchestrated it all. So we, yes. like, picked the songs. We're like, these are songs that would be cool. These are songs that we play normally on our shows. These are show, songs that we don't 
often get to play because they don't go over as well, like in a, in a smaller setting, but it would be awesome with the orchestra. So we just kind of like everything was really well thought out, how we would approach it with the orchestra, how they, how that would work interacting with the audience, with the orchestra and us. So nice. yeah, it was awesome. So, <clears throat> but the funny thing is I was thinking about this because it was 2013 uh, like, like going on 11 years ago. Cause I think it was in April of 2013. So it's like, we just realized it's like a lot of the kids that are coming to the show this time, I think, well, maybe none of them were born. <laughs> we did this show the first time. It's possible. That's why that crazy. <laughs> yeah. So this awesome, I mean, obviously it's a, it's a huge honor. So this is, you know, we did it in 2013, 2017, and then this year. So it's, it's amazing. Like it, like we we're, we're like, I can't believe that we're playing a show with Oklahoma City Philharmonic at the Civic Center. We just saw Bob Dylan play there two years ago. You know, it's like, it's crazy. Like, we're just like a dream every time. That's awesome. Well, yeah, and I think anytime you have a chance to play for, quote, unquote, your hometown symphony, and, and it's just, it's, it's just, it's such an honor. And, you know, I think, you know, I know for me growing up as a young tuba player, I just pictured myself on stage at the Chicago Symphony, just like I'm sure a lot of young musicians here picture themselves on the stage at the Civic Center. Because sure. it's just what you, you grow up aspiring to be. And you brought up something in, in that, uh, as you were talking about it, and that's actually a great uh, segue to the question I was going to ask. Why do you think it's so important to introduce children to the symphony with a group like yours especially? Because our shows are interactive and they're fun. There's a lot of... Uh, singing, dancing, shouting, and all this stuff. <laughs> Things that maybe, well, usually don't happen at an orchestra show. So I think, like, like that's part of the deal with what we're doing is it's important for us to help promote this idea is like, you know, you can go to the orchestra show and it can be a good time. You know, like, a lot of the times we're pretty confident that many of the families, at least the kids, maybe have never seen an orchestra live. And it's we're hoping that that maybe they'll come to our show and they're like, man, that was a lot of fun. That orchestra was really cool. I want to go see that again, you know, because and and I've talked to you know we've talked to a lot of people in the orchestra world and that's a, apparently a challenge in a lot of places getting you know younger generations to to kind of like be interested and want to go to orchestra shows because we get the impression that the patrons are generally adults many times older adults. So like at some point, you know, they need to replenish the patronage, you know, yeah. and, and it's important, you know, what we do is fun and entertaining and, but it's not an orchestra, you know, it's <laughs> not like that's, that's like art music that can change your life. You know what I mean? And like, hopefully we're wanting to just kind of be like, this is your little taster. You know, if that's what it <laughs> takes, if, if, if us playing with them will help you want to come back and see this again. Hope I mean, it will enrich your life. Well, and especially with like the, you know, target uh, age range of your audience, you know, a lot of them probably haven't had, had a chance to be in band or orchestra class yet. Oh, so no. it's a way to, to kind of get them mm -hmm. excited about that even before they really yeah. know what's going to be presented to them in a couple of years. Right. And, you know, we have a song uh, that we, our, our most recent single was a re-release of a song that we'd recorded a long time ago uh, called Sixth Grade Band. And like in the setup to that song, we talk about that. We're like, you know, one day you or or some of them will be old enough, you know, because some schools start in like fifth grade now. But, um, you know, like one day this could be you, you know, 
because uh, Dr. Rock, my bandmate and I, that's where we first started playing an instrument was in the school band. You know, we didn't go to the same school, but we both started in, yeah. you know, the school band. And now we're playing with an orchestra on the Civic Center <laughs> stage. And it's like any of the kids that come see us play could do the exact same thing, you know. So hopefully they like the orchestra. They like what we're doing. They're like, man, I, I think that would be fun. Maybe I can try that. Obviously an honor. You know, I mean, yeah. anytime. I mean, we've, we, you know, the Philharmonic's been around as long as I can remember, you know. And it's, it's I mean, I, I think... Sometimes you can. It's easy for people to take it for granted that, like, oh, we have a world class symphony in our own town, in our own city. Yeah. You know, yeah, it's a huge honor, and it and it's like <laughs> every time we're up there, we're like, does this mean we're respectable? <laughs> <laughs> like, if they're wanting us to play with them, does this mean we're legit? <laughs> Well, and, and to your point, you know, uh, we, uh, myself and our, our general manager, we got the, uh, we had the opportunity to go to the uh, Oklahoma City Philharmonic schedule release for the 24-25 season. Yeah. And, yeah, just the, the musicians are bringing in, the pieces that they're going to be performing. Yeah. Uh, we are so fortunate to have that in Oklahoma City. Yeah, uh, for sure. Again, as we continue to grow, too, it's only going to continue to get better. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, I hadn't met Alexander until last year in person, and but – even before that, like he's doing such a great job of being visible. Oh yeah, uh, he's on social media. You know, like he's just making a point that to get the the Philharmonic out in front of people, which is awesome. You know, yeah. he's doing he's doing great. I mean, it, it, to to your point, kind of what we were talking about earlier, just to get people excited about classical right. music and or the symphony, and right. it's important to be out there. You know, just g generating content, generating. You know, clicks for for uh, no, it sounds terrible, but I mean, that's, I mean, that's, that's the world we live in exactly, right now. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> now, uh, I wanted to ask you about your creative process. Okay. Uh, when it comes to writing songs, do you normally start with lyrics? Do you normally start with music? Yeah. Or does it just kind of depend on the mood or the state of mind that you're in or what you're trying to write for? Um. Well, it it kind of depends. A lot of times, it'll it'll be like a groove of some kind, like a rhythmic, because our stuff is all very like all of our songs have some kind of like funky or groove rhythm to yeah. them. But many times it comes, it starts with like a, an idea, something like, Oh, that'd be funny. Or like a hook, like the chorus of the song will kind of come. And maybe sometimes the idea and the chorus uh, will come at the same time. Like in my own songwriting, that's the part that comes easy for me. Then it's like, Oh, I got to write verses. <laughs> but like, you know, usually like the climb on things, for instance, which you played on, Paul, Mr. Paul Nesper played. Full disclosure. Played, yeah. <laughs> he is not being paid for this announcement, right? <laughs> um, that idea, so it's a song about, like, from a first-person standpoint, about liking to climb on things, the kind of things you like to climb on. Well, that was inspired by my youngest, who's now nine, but when he was little, he, like, literally, like, oh, he's on the kitchen table, <laughs> you know? <laughs> But then just kind of this idea is like, oh, that would be funny. Like all these ridiculous things that you like to climb on. And it's like, and, and so that's how that one grew. And then it's just, it kind of has just a simple kind of vibe or groove. Um, so that's how it always starts. A little Zydeco breakdown. In Zydeco the breakdown. <laughs> when, yeah. Yeah. Like the, the, or the, yeah, the drum line thing. Yeah. Which is, which was what Paul played on is the tuba <laughs> second line. Yeah. So, but that's, that's really at least in this genre, you know, I, I write songs in other genres too, but, but in this specific genre, it's always kind of got to be like, well, 
it's got to be kind of funny to me, like, or some, there's got to be some kind of humor in it and relatable, you know, hopefully relatable to not just children, hopefully relatable to adults too, because some <laughs> adults have kids that like to climb on stuff or, you know, people climb mountains, you know, <laughs> it's like, it's an all ages thing, right? Well, and what I, you know, now for me, I, 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 I do not have children of my own, but a lot of my closest friends all have kids that are now in that like two to seven range. Oh, yeah. So it's, it's, it's funny, especially when they show me their Spotify playlists. Uh, uh-huh. It's just like what all, and they're like, actually, some of these songs aren't bad. Like, yeah. So yeah. I, I'm sure there's, there's, there's that, like, you know, obviously it, the content might be for kids, but you also wanted to have it be aesthetically right. pleasing for the adults right. too. Well, and you know, that's something that we learned when we kind of stumbled into this world of family music. It's like, what we don't do children's music, we do family music. Like the the Wiggles, that's an example of children's music. Or, I'm just drawing a blank right now, maybe Barney for some of the older generation of children. Uh, you know, that's not music that, that's not music that adults are going to listen to be like, yeah, you know. But we're not the target audience, yeah. right? Family music is like, oh, I'm a 42-year-old man. I can actually enjoy this music. You know, like the lyrics may not be directed to me, but I like the music. For instance, uh, we have uh, a song called Monster Truck, which has been like it's our biggest hit of all times. That We intentionally went a very deep purple direction with that. You know, and some like some adults are like, uh, I see what you did there. <laughs> you know? I love that. We went totally deep purple with that. Yeah, totally. I mean, it's just like, well, you know, I like Hammond B3 organ is like, well, we got to overdrive this like John Lord, you know? <laughs> and it's like the, we want the music to feel like, oh, this this sounds like a, the music for a song about a monster truck. You know, you don't want it to be like silly and, oh, it's this is about a monster truck. It's like, no, this is in your face, <laughs> you know? If you've been to a monster truck rally, it's not like silly, good, happy, silly times. It's like... A serious business. No, I, I and again, I, I, I've never been one to uh, actively seek out monster truck rallies. <laughs> but, but I got to my, my, my buddy took his three year old yeah. a couple years back. He's like, I got an extra ticket. You want to come with me? I'm like, ah, sure, why not? Yeah, it'd be tons of fun. But yeah, it's just loud. Yeah. This is engines it's, revving. It's an and, arena rock show, yeah. really, with trucks instead of like it a is. band. When they, and they brought out the motorcycles and they're doing yep. like the aero and there's aero fire and explosions. And, I mean, <laughs> it's wild. How is that not like a kiss show, right? Say, <laughs> keep this up. You know, Metallica concerts can right? break out. But. Right, I know. <laughs> oh my goodness gracious! Um, what do you hope folks take away from from this performance with the Oklahoma City Philharmonic? Well, qu- kind of what we discussed already. Um, a love of the orchestra, you know. Want them to go and see, it's like, oh, well, this is not, because I think, you know, and I think anybody in the orchestral world will probably, I don't think anyone would disagree, you know, maybe sometimes it's stereotyped as like, oh, this is a bunch of very serious and stodgy old people like playing music that like, you can't, you can't act like you enjoy it. You have to like be very thoughtful. It's like, no, it can be fun. It can be enjoyable. And it's something that will help enrich your life if you you know, partake of it, I guess, is the word, (laughs) partake of the orchestral (laughs) offerings, you know. Now, it's, uh, the concert starts at two, but there are going to be some pre-concert activities that start at one. What are some of those activities? Well, I have a list right here um, in front of my face. 
So every time they do these uh, Discovery Family shows, they start. I think they always start at two, uh, and there's always uh, activities in the lobby starting at one. And they're really cool. Uh, one of them is the, the Oklahoma City Philharmonic's Instrument Playground, and kids can like play on string and percussion instruments. I guess they're doing some karaoke, <laughs> uh, which is could always go a lot of ways, right? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and then uh, apparently they have some activities, experiments, and crafts and stuff from groups like Mad Scientist, uh, Downtown Library, Metro Family Magazine, and Finer Arts. So there's a whole lot of stuff. Fun stuff before the show even starts. It's like tailgating, right? <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll need it. We won a football next Sunday. Right? So. There you go. <laughs> Perfect timing. I'll go play on a percussion instrument instead. <laughs> <laughs> now, uh, there's... I think you're a great person to ask this question. Uh, you've been performing in Oklahoma City since around 2001, and even before that, yeah. you know, just as as a, as a citizen. You know, how much have the arts changed since you started performing 20-plus years ago, and where do you see it going in the next 10 years? Well, you know, I actually started, me personally, it was probably 2005 or 2006 when I started playing in, in different groups and stuff and clubs and stuff. And at least as far as that side of things – there are a lot more venues now. Uh, back then, it was small clubs or the Myriad. That was the Myriad. It's Paycom now. Uh, no, wait. No, it's Prairie. What's the name of the, the... I think that's it. The Prairie. Yeah. The, yeah, the TV studio. Well, But anyway, point is, it was just you could see an arena show or you could see a real small club show. So the fact that there are more like mid-size venues... Is awesome because there are a lot of, you know, some of the more interesting acts aren't going to sell out the Paycom Center, you know. So there's more venues now. Um, there's more people in Oklahoma City. There's more things happening uh, culturally. It seems like, uh, feels like things are growing. So I feel like that the arts and the entertainment uh, in Oklahoma City is growing along with it. Um, but it is. It's interesting. For a while, it was like you, your choices were way, way limited. Now you have many options. And not just, you know, with the orchestra and with the Philharmonic, like, you know, many of the musicals that are coming through. And, you know, like I said, Bob Dylan, you know, it's Bob Dylan, you know. So it's great. It's awesome. And it, I, I I see it continuing, you know, like it doesn't, I, you know, I'm not an expert, but it doesn't seem like anything in the foreseeable future is going to change the trajectory. Yeah, I, I, I tend to agree. And it's, it's, it's really, it's an exciting time that uh, and we could just continue to get these great acts and headliners yeah. that come through and, you know, just what, what, what a treat to be able to have that in such a great uh, and ever growing city. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, and that, you know, you, you, we've all been to like big cities, Chicago, New York and LA and stuff. And those are awesome, but it's like having that, opportunity here is even better because like well this yeah. those places are cool they're not home these are this is home you know so you don't necessarily have to travel you know hours to see something that you would love to see because now those those acts are starting to come here so yeah i mean when i first moved down here you know you would you'd either have to go to kansas city or you'd have to go down to dallas, dallas but you yep. know and now they're almost all coming through oklahoma yeah. city even before they get to there so yeah yeah which is amazing because you know I'm sure at some point it was like, yeah, we're not going to hit Oklahoma City. <laughs> well, why would we go there? You know, maybe Tulsa, you know, because they got Canes and the Brady, you know, those are historic venues. But now it's like, you know, we got the Jones, we've got the Criterion, we've got the, um, 
well, obviously the Civic Center, you know, there's like a lot of a lot of great venues of for acts of all sizes. Uh, Resonant Head, that's a, a friend of ours owns that one. So, yeah, it's like it, no matter what your musical likings are, it's getting to where at some point someone that you like will come through town. Without a doubt. Yeah, and that's amazing because it absolutely was not that way always. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Yeah, and, and, and especially as someone like me has eclectic taste in music, it's nice to be able to get some of those What's more. the last show you saw? Uh, you were going to put me on the spot like that. Oh, I went and saw – oh, I was at the Zoo Amphitheater. I saw uh, Newfound Glory, Motion City Soundtrack, and the Get Up Kids. Yeah, okay. So that's – Probably not a show that would have come through 10, 15 years ago, maybe, you know? Yeah, it was. Yeah. And it's, again, it's just, it's just, it's so great that we have that in our backyard yeah. here in Oklahoma City. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, the zoo, the zoo's been there forever, you know? Zoo Amphitheater. Right? Yeah. No, that was, yeah. That was, now I'm trying to You're think. You're not like, thinking, I got you second guessing yourself. <laughs> no, that, that, that was my last show. Yeah, that was it. <laughs> well, it sounds like, especially with the lack of football this weekend, it sounds like this Sunday it's going to be a wonderful family experience at the Civic Center. Chris, we appreciate you coming down and joining us today, and thank you so much for joining us on Spotlight. Oh, uh, and thank you. And once again, uh, we talked about this before we were on air. How much we appreciate you all supporting local artists and local events. Um, we travel all over the country, and we've been to Europe, but you know, this is our home, and we're still, you know, this is where we live. So it's it's amazing. We appreciate everything you guys do. Well, thank you very much, and continued success to you. Thanks, sir. Coming up next, Amanda Bleakley and George Oswald with the Paseo Arts Association. Please stay with us. Support for KUCO comes from the Oklahoma City Community Foundation, helping individuals, families, and nonprofit organizations create charitable funds to benefit the community both now and in the future. Learn more, including ways to support, at OCCF.org. Support from Lyric Theater of Oklahoma celebrating more than 60 years producing classic and contemporary musicals and plays created by artists from Oklahoma and across the nation. More at lyrictheaterokc.org. Welcome back to Spotlight. My next guests are Amanda Bleakley and George Oswald with the Paseo Arts Association. Along with the monthly First Friday Gallery Walk that will be taking place this Friday, February 2nd, from 6 to 9 p.m., they will be welcoming three new exhibits to the Paseo Arts and Creativity Center this month. Amanda, George, welcome to Spotlight this morning. Thanks, Paul. It's really good to be here. Thank you. Well, we're excited to have you. I always look forward to our monthly visits, Amanda. We've got our first Friday walk happening this Friday, February 2nd, from 6 to 9 p.m. in the Paseo. We have three new exhibits. We've got Journey by Carlos Francisco II. We've got the Paseo Arts Association Members Show. 
and we have We Have Always Been Here by Alex Hazel. So let me ask you this. How's 2024 treating y'all at the Paseo Arts and Creativity Center? It is looking great. Nice. We've had some great or awesome shows in January. Those two just came down, and these three shows that are uh, that have been installed this week are just something not to miss. Uh, the first one, a Journey, is a is appropriately titled exhibit because it mirrors the journey of life. So through these vibrant Cubist-style paintings, viewers can uplift the creative mind while reflecting on their own human experience. These are paintings uh, by Carlos Tatong Francesco II, a painter from Providence of Rizal in the Philippines, and Dr. Castro, uh, Oscar Castro, started collecting them in 1996. And so this is his private collection. Nice. Uh, they are for sale. Dr. Castro is a endocrinologist. Uh, he works in Lawton. And he collects art from all over the world. So really interesting work. And so it's exciting to come in on Monday mornings after drop-off, which is what we call it when all the art comes in. And you see all the art around and I just remind myself, wow, this is such a great place to work. So, And then in Gallery 2, we have our annual Paseo Art Show. It's a celebration of our members and all of the great artwork that they do on an annual basis. It's, um, it's a juried show. So uh, we have a juror that comes in for our juried shows. And this one is Jordan Vineyard, who is the Dean of Visual and Performing Arts an associate professor of art at the University of Science and Arts of Oklahoma. That's a lot to say. <laughs> um, and so the juror always selects what they are drawn to, not necessarily what's the best art. So that's what I was trying to get to, that it's we've got, we'll have, I don't know, 100 or more artists apply for these shows, but maybe 50 will be accepted because the, the juror is the one that kind of has the theme in their, in their mind of which direction they're going to go in. Uh, so I just wanted to say it's really interesting. It's a very collect eclectic show in all different mediums. So don't miss it. Don't miss it. And then in our Gallery 3, we have another show called We Have Always Been Here. And it's an exhibit by artist Alex Hazel. Alex's artwork draws from inspiration of myths and religious texts, challenging preconceived notions and unearth obscure truths and seeking to illuminate the suppressed voices of LGBT individuals. It's it's very cool as well. So I just want to invite everyone out to see our three shows and then come enjoy the first Friday gallery walk in the Paseo Arts District. It's um, we're, Yes, we're still under construction. There's still plenty of parking. There's easy accessibility on the sidewalks, and there's no issue there. Uh, const- the construction folks have been really good to us to make sure that Everyone can uh, continue to get into the buildings and the restaurants, et cetera. Uh, so come out and support them. It's really, really important uh, now more than ever to support the businesses in Paseo. Yeah, it's going to be so much fun tomorrow night.
Well, and we've got some great weather. I know there there may be a little bit of rain in the forecast for Friday night and into Later. the weekend. Later. Yeah, exactly. it's going to hold off. Hey, I, I, I can deal with a little bit of rain if it's 65. I can't deal with it when it's 35 like we had last right, week. Right, so right. This is much more This is much more doable. Well, you mentioned in uh, Gallery 2 we have the PAA Members Show, and we have one of the artists as well as a board member yes. who has uh, one of their works being displayed, George Oswalt. So, George, uh, first things first, you've worked and taught for many decades now. How have the arts changed throughout your career here in Oklahoma? Well, there has been more, I guess, galleries that have been established, Paseo being one of the, the great uh, centers or synergetic parts of the, of the culture of Oklahoma, the visual arts as well as the performing arts. And it's been a great it's been great to see the evolution of the arts, you know, because a lot of us artists of my age were kind of like the Mickey Rooney's of Oklahoma City where we put on a show individually or with, you know, fellow artists and, and performers and, and actors and stuff. So we had that kind of mentality. And since then, it's evolved into there's legitimate galleries and, and theater that is uh, more of a, a staple than it was in the past. So we were kind of pioneers in the early days because I've been around for a long time. You know, my first one man show was in 1974, and at that time the CAF is where I had my show was the, the kind of the center of the art world, especially the contemporary art world in Oklahoma City. And so uh, that was kind of the island of of culture in in our city. And since then, it's spread into other parts of Oklahoma City. So it's been fascinating to see that. So I'm just sitting here doing the math because that's just what I do and how my brain works. If your first show was in 1974, that means we're coming up on the 50th anniversary of your first. Absolutely. That's incredible, my friend. I know. How cool is it to still be sitting here getting able to share your work 50-plus years later? It's pretty cool. <laughs> like I just hope I can still play the tuba in 50 years let alone being able to put on recitals and and just being able to share my gift well one reason why I went into the arts and I had a fellow friend you know when we were in art school at UCO undergrad I went to undergrad at UCO roll shows UCO. <laughs> UCO there we go uh, uh, one of the reasons why we did that because we could do this uh, till we die so that's kind of it and I feel Still pretty viable and active and, you know, uh, trying to contribute to, uh, you know, the PAA in ways I can because I, I have a little bit of history. But also, it's not just about the history. It's about right now, you know, that we're making things happen right now. And I have several friends that are around my age that are still very viable and doing their thing, you know, both musicians and visual artists and stuff like that. So I think it's important to have the history, but also it's important to, to be current. Well, absolutely. And, and I think, you know, I, I, as, as a former music teacher and someone who still appreciates music and art, you know, I would tell parents and kids all the time, you don't have to necessarily major in music exactly. or major in art, but this is something you can absolutely do until you just physically can't anymore, which is hopefully another 50, 60, 70 years down the road. Yeah, you got to keep your mind active. And we were talking about, you know, working out. Uh, you gotta you got to be physically and mentally sound you know and I, so i wake up every morning and i'm ready to go you know that's awesome yeah well i think it's too really important your involvement george with the the arts in oklahoma city and the paseo arts district is that 
you know, you're also helping oversee the future of art in Oklahoma. So it's the past, it's now, and it's what's going to happen moving forward. And that's what's really important to me with what we're doing at the Paseo Arts and Creativity Center is making sure that we're giving artists opportunity to show their work, to uh, attend uh, professional development classes, uh, workshops that we offer, and be around other artists to learn from all the experiences that, you know, some of the... Yeah, the tribe is very important. And, and speaking of the show, mm-hmm. uh, the, the member show, when I was surveying it today before we came down here, it was really pretty exciting because uh, there's people I haven't seen, people I, I have familiar with, but but I love the, the quality. I mean, it's all over the board, you know, from fairly uh, conservative-ish but but then some wacky stuff too. So I love that. Yeah, it's really fun. Diverse, and, and that's that's and that's why it's so important because we're supporting those artists. Right. That it's not easy for them just to walk into a gallery and get a, an art show, or or even have their work uh, <clears throat> shown somewhere. So we want to be that venue for them. And sometimes it's helping them with their first, show, you know, having their first piece in a show. Or sometimes, like George, I mean, he's been doing this for 50 years, and having just his work in our show brings the show up and adds a lot of value. Well, so I like that. But but here's another connection. I was talking about the CAF. So what the PAA does is similar to what the CAF did back 50 years ago, or even <laughs> before that, around 60 years ago is when it was established. And so they were a foundation for those emerging artists as well as uh, people like Bavinger and people like that that were famous. Bavinger taught at OU and was part of uh, the art scene here as well as, you know, a national art scene. So, and, you know, people like uh, Paul, you know, Ed Ruscher, uh and his brother Paul had studios there. And, and so that's the, con- the continuity of the PAA. Of, of making that uh, available for artists to have a showcase for their work, you know, and to mingle. A platform. And the funny thing is that I have to mention with George is that back in the 90s, we were on, uh, we were both on the board of IAO, which is, uh, which, right. which was Individual Artists of Oklahoma. I forgot to mention that. They, <laughs> they you know, it, it doesn't, it no longer exists at this point, but it was a, very valuable, very important um, group for Oklahoma City, and and it it really did an excellent job of cultivating artists and bringing them together and having a a space. So you know, I kind of learned that a long time ago that uh, this isn't something that's new. We just want to make sure we have that place. Yeah, there's a continuity there. We're we're fortunate, and and we were really lucky to move into our new space, kind of at the time where IAO. You know, went down. Went down. So <laughs> I'm sorry to say. Well, well the timing I, worked out. Yeah. I mean, yeah, and I, I have to, you know, uh, sing uh, Amanda's praises because she had the vision to do that. She, you know, it started off slow, but you know, she just started graduating into expanding the space, and I think has come out very, very well. Thank you, George. 
<laughs> this is why I like Spotlight. We get to we get to be honest with each other. We share our feelings. It is a it is a nice, positive, uplifting. Well, no, space I just think be. it's really it's really great that you know having history with people where you can bring them in and they can be a part of something really important. George is on the exhibits committee, so he comes and hangs the show. It's really hard to find people who can do that, who can come and do that in the middle of the day as well. So I just really appreciate him. And, you know, I feel very fortunate that we have the space that we do. Well, and, and, you know, I've I've been there uh, uh, more than a handful of times. And yeah, it's it's so nice to have a hub where you can showcase your work, your your people's work and just a place you can be proud of. Mm -hmm. Uh, So I think that's so exciting. Now, um, can you tell us a little bit about the work that you're going to be displaying in gallery too? My painting is named Prisoner of a Dream. And it's, it's, I'm, I'm somewhat of a collage type of painter where I take different images and put them together into kind of overall gestalt. So this image is like the lower part of a girl's leg with chains around them. And in the foreground of this painting, there is a pie, but the pie happens to be a, a sky. It's a sky pie. It's a Pie in the sky. A pie in the sky. Mm-hmm. So anyway, it's a, it's a metaphor for the desires that we have and, and maybe the unrequited dreams that we have. So it, it's metaphorical. And I think, again, since it's a visual art, I'm trying to, you know, work the color, the design of the piece to, to draw people in. But also I like to do paintings that have an element of mystery or curiosity. And so, you know, people have asked me what it means. Well, I want you to implement that that solution or that meaning in your own words. So, Yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, I think you may have an idea of what you want it to mean, but the right. the 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 person the 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 spectator may have a completely different perspective right. and that's okay that's the beauty of art that is the beauty and of that's art that's the point of it too everybody right. has their own interpretation well and that can be music literature whatever yep. you know it's all and i always look at i i consider my my paintings like visual poetry you know that they're they're not a story per se but there are a juxtaposition of images that create a certain sense of what that's going on in that painting. So, my uh, one of my my musical heroes, his name is Roger Bobo, and uh, he has been quoted as saying, "There's two types of songs: there's love songs and there's pirate songs." <laughs> and, 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 and I that, like that. It could be attributed to someone else too, but I, yeah. I just I just know yeah. that uh, he's often has said that. But it's the same thing. It might be a pirate song to you. It might be a love song to someone else. Right. And guess what? That's okay. Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. <laughs> I love it. That's again. That's the beauty of art. Well, is there anything you would like to leave our classical KUCO listeners with before we part our ways this morning, friends? Oh, I just want to say thank you for coming out and supporting the Paseo Arts District over the years. Uh, we'd love to see you tomorrow night. The weather's going to be nice. It's going to be a good time to get out and stroll the Paseo Arts District. And I always like to recommend getting a re- um, a reservation. If you want to eat at your favorite restaurant and come by and see us at the Paseo Arts and Creativity Center, you will not be disappointed. These these three shows are super strong and will really give you uh, a, a good time to view and look at a wide variety of artwork. 
If you want more information, you can go to our website at thepaseo.org. Uh, that's for the district. And then we also have uh, thepaaok.org, and that's for the Paseo Arts Association uh, and everything that we have going on in our building. And then if you need to call us, our phone number is 405-525-2688. So, yeah, my work can be seen at two galleries in Oklahoma City uh, on Paseo at JRB's. You can go to her website, and there's a few pieces that are uh, available. And also, I'm currently showing at 1515 Lincoln, uh, which is a gallery that's right off of 15th and Lincoln in Oklahoma City. It's a brand-new gallery that opened up a couple years ago, and she's relocated on Lincoln Boulevard about a year ago. So I had a show there uh, last May and June. And uh, so, yeah, so go to those websites and you'll see some work and please buy. <laughs> well, we certainly appreciate you guys uh, coming down to the classical KUCO studios. I know I always get just a little bit smarter, especially when it comes to art, when you guys come down and you know, one day I'll learn to color between the lines. Today is not that day, but we, uh, we appreciate you so much coming down. Amanda George, thank you for joining us today on Spotlight. Coming up next... Royce McLary with Chamber Music in Oklahoma. Please stay with us. Support for KUCO comes from the Oklahoma City Philharmonic, Maestro Alexander Micklethwaite conducting, announcing Brahms, Saturday, February 3rd, with guest violinist Benjamin Schmid. Tickets and more at okcphil.org. Support for KUCO comes from Bob Moore Subaru in Oklahoma City. Locally owned and offering the full line of new Subarus with a commitment to supporting independent journalism located on North Kelly Avenue. More at bobmoresubaru.com. Welcome back to Spotlight. My next guest is Royce McLary with Chamber Music in Oklahoma. They are bringing in the multiple award-winning group, the Parker Quartet, to Christ the King Catholic Church of Oklahoma City this Sunday, February 4th at 4 p.m. Programmed to include the works of Haydn, Beethoven, and more. Royce, welcome back to Spotlight. Yeah, thanks a lot, Paul. It's good to see you again. How's the world treating you? Oh, everything's going well. <laughs> Pretty busy, but, uh, you know, we're keeping on keeping on. Hey, that's always a good thing. And we've got uh, we've got a wonderful world-class string quartet coming to Oklahoma City this Sunday, February 4th at 4 p.m. at Christ the King Catholic Church in Oklahoma City. It is the Parker Quartet formed in 2002. They have won multiple competitions. They teach at Harvard. So this is a well-established, world-renowned group that formed over 20 years ago. How fortunate are we to have them coming through Oklahoma City? Oh, very fortunate. Like you you were saying, I mean, they're they're one of the top quartets out there, uh, and like you were saying, they were they were formed in two thousand two, and the competitions that they have won are uh, the Concert Artist Guild competition, 
the Grand Prix and Mozart Prize of France's Bardot, Bardot uh, International String Quartet Competition, and uh, Chamber Music America's prestigious uh, Cleveland Award uh, Quartet Award. So they've won their fair share of big competitions for yeah, sure. You don't fluke into that. If you're winning those, you're you're pretty good. <laughs> Absolutely, they, they're fantastic. How challenging was it to try to get them scheduled to come to Oklahoma City? Well, I'm not sure about that. Harry Miller handles all that. He and and uh, he picks out also the programs. Uh, nice. Sort of helps. They each quartet or each ensemble or soloist has a group of pieces that they're performing throughout the season. Or and uh, so I I don't know about the the actual uh, ins and outs of all that. But but Harry Miller actually does the uh, putting it all together and Kaplan Music. You know that's that's the um, the management. They they, okay. they they have many string quartets and many uh, different ensembles that that they represent, and okay. so we can put together a package of concerts for each season. That makes sense because then you know, like because again, you've been on before with some previous quartets and right. just how it all works out with the schedule and just you know whatever the management says. Yeah, we got this group free this weekend. Very, very, very cool. I'm sure it's very intricate. Yeah. <laughs> well, and we've, we've had similar, you know, we've had other guests on that have, have told us similar things where it's like, you know, a lot of times it's just does it work out with an open date that we have along with an open date that either the group or, or the management um, uh, company has. Right. Can you tell us a little bit about the program they will be presenting this Sunday? Yes. They're doing a Haydn string quartet to nice. start off with, uh, quartet in B minor, opus 33, number one. Uh, Haydn wrote the Opus 33 quartets in the summer and autumn of uh, 1781, and they're nicknamed the Russian quartets because Haydn dedicated them to uh, Grand Duke Paul of Russia. It's one of the, you know, every Haydn quartet I've ever heard is, is fantastic. I've never, never heard a quartet by Haydn I didn't like. It's sort of a Will Rogers thing there, yeah. Anyway, the, they're, they're all great pieces. This, this one is Four Movements. And uh, it's just a it's just a wonderful piece, and everybody, of course, will enjoy that. No, no you'll have to forgive me because, again, as as a brass player, I'm sure I tuned out a lot of this when I was in music school. But Haydn wasn't weren't they considered the father or the grandfather of the string quartet? The father of the string quartet, yeah. as well, of course, the father of the of the symphony. Yeah, so, some over a hundred, some odd symphonies. So yeah, 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 yeah. yeah and over eighty string quartets. Well, see, I, I guess I paid a little attention in music school. Well, yeah, and <laughs> you know Haydn wrote all these string quartets, and it's amazing they're all different they're they're all unique uh he his imagination was just incredible just you know it's it's amazing really well what's fascinating about that too is you know we think back to a lot of contemporary composers and maybe even a few generations before and you know they would recycle so many different pieces so to hear that it's 80 unique string quartets that's really fascinating Mm -hmm. that's 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 a ton of output oh yeah very very prolific and then uh, second on the program is a piece by Valentin Silvestrov. I think I'm saying that correctly. I think that's, that sounded, that sounded good to me. Anyway, it's his quartet number three. Actually, uh, this composer is a Ukrainian composer and pianist, and he was born in uh, 1937. Uh, this composer, Silvestrov, uh, he began private music lessons at age 15, a little bit later than lots of musicians. Yeah. And he studied piano at the Kiev Evening Music School from 1955 to 1958, while at the same time training to become a civil engineer. <laughs> so sort of a renaissance man. 
He attended Kiev Conservatory, though, from 1958 to 1964, where he studied uh, music composition. And then uh, Silvestrov was a freelance composer in Kiev from 1970 all the way till uh, 2022. Then he, he left Ukraine following the Russian invasion and uh, now lives in Berlin. And he's best known for his postmodern style. Uh, most of his works will be considered would be considered neoclassical. All right. And he's quoted as saying, "My music." is a response to and an echo of what already exists. And I got a chance to, to listen to this string quartet number three, which he composed in 2011. Uh, and it, it's just, it sounds like it's just beautifully crafted and, and has you know lots of beautiful moments in it. I'm really looking forward to hearing that. Pairs beautifully with the Haydn, I would think. Yes. And then we also have a piece by an Irish composer who was born in 1970. His name is Donaha... Dennehy. He studied composition at Trinity College. Uh, he later continued his studies at the University of Champaign or University of Illinois Champaign Urbana, where he earned his master's and doctoral degrees. Nice. Yeah. So this Irish composer, um, he returned to Dublin in 1997 and co-founded the Crash Ensemble, which focuses on performance and recording of contemporary music. Actually, it's kind of interesting. Dennehy, he's quoted as saying this about this piece that, that they'll be performing. And the piece, by the way, is called Wig, W-I-G, Wig. It's about an eight-minute piece, I believe. Anyway, this is what Dennehy says about this piece. I like that Beethoven's final complete composition, his Opus 135 for string quartet, flies in the face of the narrative that many have tried to build around his late works that of Beethoven, the romantic hero. But Beethoven was not just that, of course. Opus 135 harkens back to the wit of his teacher, Haydn, probably the leading writer of string quartets before Beethoven himself. I love the joy and playful pushing in of form in this quartet, where wrong turns work like viruses in the music. My short quartet wig builds off of these viruses in the second movement of Opus 135. So he obviously was greatly influenced in his writing of this piece, Wig. He was influenced by Beethoven's 135, the last quartet Beethoven wrote. And then they'll go on to play a to Beethoven play, quartet. Well, they're playing Opus 135. Oh, <laughs> I, yeah. did, I missed that. I saw, I, I saw it was Beethoven. I didn't realize it was 135. Yeah, yeah. So so this all kind of ties in together. It's, it's kind of a neat thing here. So, yes, last on the program is Beethoven's Quartet in F Major 135, uh, written by Beethoven in October of 1826. And like I was saying, it was the last major work of Beethoven, premiered by the Schupanzig uh, Quartet a year after Beethoven's death. It's about a 24-minute piece, four movements, just a fantastic example of very late Beethoven. So I think everybody's going to really enjoy that. I, I might mention also that tickets are $20 at the door, and you already mentioned it's at Christ the King Catholic Church. That's at 8005 Dorset Drive. Also, students are admitted free of charge, which is a real, really wonderful thing. So we hope to see a lot of people there. Yeah, anytime we can get kids just to get excited about music, you know, even if they don't necessarily understand what's going on, just to get them exposed to a Beethoven's uh, string quartet or a Haydn string quartet or 
some of these newer works that yeah. were inspired by the greats. Absolutely, yeah. I'd like to just say also, we, we've got two more concerts on this series coming up. Uh, March 3rd is Orion Weiss, the pianist. And April 21st is the Shanghai Quartet. So, and of course, same location, same time, 4 o'clock, 4 p.m. on Sundays. And if a classical KUCO listener wanted to f- learn more about the upcoming concerts, where is a website that we could direct them to? Oh, very good. CMOK.org. You can find all the upcoming programs and, and um, the, the ensembles. All, everything's listed on there. Excellent, excellent. Now, maybe a, a bit of a philosophical question, but obviously as a musician, uh, and I as a former musician, but still, I still dabble, I, I love chamber music, and I think chamber music is an important facet to anybody's musical development. What are your thoughts, and I'm, I'm assuming similarly, but I always love getting other people's ideas and, and backgrounds. So what are your thoughts on the importance of chamber music to the development of just a, a, a great young musician, whether or not they're going to go off and be a professional musician, yeah. irregardless of that? I can't believe I just used irregardless, but nonetheless. Well, irregardless of that, <laughs> I, I would, <laughs> yeah, I would like to say if you get training and you get experience and get pretty good at playing chamber music, for instance, string quartets, brass quintets, whatever type of ensemble you're playing in, then you can become a really great ensemble player for orchestral playing as well. I think if you can really become a fine ensemble player in a small ensemble like a string quartet, you can you can do just about anything as far as you can become a great orchestral player as well as continue playing uh, chamber music. But I think... I think that's one of the things. If you can play string quartets, you can play in any ensemble. And I think that's one of the things that I appreciate, especially with groups like the, the Parker Quartet, just knowing how proficient each individual is and that if they are not contributing at 100%, it has a drastic impact on the other three members or, or four if it's a quartet. But, uh, uh, but uh, yes, or quintet, not quartet, sorry. But it's it's incredible. So when you get to see these and hear these high level groups, just knowing the yeah. intensity and energy yeah. and just the years of craftsmanship that have gone in, Absolutely. it's just incredible. Yeah, yeah, they're they're it's it's really an amazing thing to hear a string quartet that just is so finely tuned ensemble wise, and and it's just it's yeah, we're very fortunate to have these uh, these ensembles come through. We get some of the world's finest, so it's wonderful. And literally, some of the world's finest. I know you brought in groups from England, from France. We've got the Shanghai Quartet coming in uh, later this uh, later this semester. Mm-hmm. So it's a great chance to hear what chamber musicians from all over the world are, are doing, and and they're they're literally just in our backyard. Absolutely, yes. Well, well, Royce, is there anything else you'd like to leave our classical KUCO listeners with before we part today? I just want I want to have a huge turnout for this quartet. I know there are a lot of things going on on Sunday afternoons. In fact, I'm busy Sunday afternoon, too, but I'll be done. I'll be finished in time with our Discovery concert with the Philharmonic to uh, come to the hear this concert. So I, I hope, hope that we pack the house. Well, it's going to be a beautiful weekend. We've got so many great events, including yours, that are, that are happening this weekend. It's going to be a great time here in Oklahoma City. Royce, thank you so much for joining me today on Spotlight. My pleasure, Paul. Thank you. I'd like to thank my other guests, Amanda Bleakley and George Oswald with the Paseo Arts Association. Chris Weiser of the Sugar-Free All-Stars, and Dr. Natalie Searing with the University of Central Oklahoma School of Music for joining me today on Spotlight. As always, 
Thank you for supporting Classical KUCO in making wonderful conversations like these possible. KUCO is committed to bringing you the best in local performing arts. Until next time, enjoy the arts. Support for KUCO comes from Armstrong Auditorium, celebrating 25 years in performing arts and presenting, direct from Italy, the Italian Saxophone Quartet. Wednesday, February 7th. Tickets and program information at armstrongauditorium.org.